anyone who knows me knows that I really like themed paperware. I like themes. I like stuff to match. I like it to, to go with the season. So when it's a holiday coming up like what it is, I feel like you have to do a holiday sermon. It's kind of like themed paperwork. You get where I'm going? So I am, that's why my sermon is titled Grace, Gratitude, and Generosity because we got Thanksgiving coming up. Really, we've got just the, all the holidays coming up. Do you guys realize that this Friday, Cozy 101 is going to start playing 24-7 Christmas songs? They have already? Oh, they, it, was last, it was yesterday? Oh, I thought it was next Friday. Hilarious. I thought they started on Thanksgiving. Now they started the week before. So see, the holidays are coming up. That's why you got to have a holiday sermon. All right. Um, and so that's why I started out with grace, gratitude, and generosity. My, my um, scripture is from 2 Corinthians 9, 11. We're going to see a video here just in a minute. As soon as my man comes back, I don't know where he is. But um, I want to, the, our um, scripture is going to be 2 Corinthians the nine, verses 9, 11. Chapter 9, verse 11, you will be abundantly enriched in every way as you give generously on every occasion. For when we take your gifts to those in need, it causes many to give thanks to God. That's our scripture that we're, hi, Jay. That's our scripture that we're um, going to go into tonight. But I want to start us out with a video that will kind of, now this is a couple years old, um, and I hope you recognize it. If you don't, I'll explain it. But this is kind of what goes on during our Thanksgiving um, dinner. And can you hit the lights for us, too? Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I am so thankful to have you all here today. I am thankful that I only burned the turkey a little bit. I'm sorry, gang. You know, I am thankful that our governor is not going to let those refugees in here. Oh, my God. You know, I heard the refugees are all ISIS in disguise. Oh, yeah. That's true. I actually saw an ISIS in the A&P today when I was picking up the yams. No, you didn't, Aunt Kathy. That was an Asian woman. <laughs> you know what? I have a question for you. Why is it that your friends keep antagonizing the police? Why would you ask my boyfriend that? Well, I'm just trying to get to know Jamal. That's very confrontational. And she's a guest. Excuse me? She's a guest area. Hello, it's me. I was wondering if after all these years you'd like to me to go over everything. They say the time's supposed to heal you, but I ain't done much. Oh, your grandparents are here. How was the flight? Oh, it was good. Good. I saw two transgenders at the airport. <laughs> they still look kind of pretty. Very interesting trend, this. Oh, my God. Transgender is not a trend, Mr. Paul. And there weren't any around when I was younger. Yeah, they were there, but they couldn't say anything, so they lived sad lives and died. No, talking about... I
to vote for Ben Carson. You are such a I thought that was so appropriate for Thanksgiving, right? Um, have you, got, you, have you seen that before? Do you guys seen that before? None of you saw that before? Oh, I'm so glad I brought something fresh. Oh, you saw it before. Okay. That's um, Saturday Night Live, and you know they do a really good job sometimes. Sometimes they're not appropriate, but that was really funny. Um, so I want to talk about how we're going to survive the holidays this year, you guys, with those kind of people in our lives, right? Because I don't know about you, but sometimes we sit down at our, our uh, Thanksgiving table and we got people with different beliefs, different lifestyles, different opinions, and we got to somehow get along with everybody, right? And you know what? I, here's what I think. You, you guys know this, that depression, anxiety just shoots through the roof during the holidays, right? Um, People, you know, I, I've told this before, the holidays, and Jay can kind of testify, the holidays are a lot of times when divorces and mediations happen. My business goes, gets a lot higher during, I already have more business this month, because all of the stress and everything like that really comes to the forefront during the holidays. But here's what I want to suggest to you. I want to suggest to you that we don't have to be victims of the holidays, we get to be atmosphere changers. We get to be, get to be the people that dictate the way the holidays are going to go right? We don't have to be like, oh, here's the holidays again. I can't take it. told you I'm getting my mojo back. So I'm like, you know what? Let's take and grab the holidays by the tail, swing it around and say, hey, we own you, not the other way around, right? But in order to do that, we kind of have to have a strategy for how we're going to approach. Is that making you laugh? Yeah, it's true though, right? Am I right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not telling a lie, right? Um, that distracted me, Bob. Sorry. Get my mojo. My strategy. I'm, I want to give you guys a strategy for not only surviving the holidays, but owning the holidays, for changing the holidays, for being atmosphere changers. Because like we talk all the time, we're not here just to survive and get by. We're actually here to thrive and to be kingdom builders that make a difference. We're going to be leaders in our families, not just, not just suffer through and be victims to all the different stuff that's going on, right? So we have to have a strategy. And like we talk about all the time, a lot of times intentionality is the key. We have to go forward before it happens. We have to know a strategy before we get to that Thanksgiving table. Am I right? We have to have a strategy in mind going into it. And that's why I want to talk about it right now. And Chris, I said you're going to be preaching next week, so we're, so we're all excited about that. So the first thing I want to talk to you guys about are um, little, whatever you call that, is grace, gratitude, and generosity, okay? So the first thing I want to talk about is um, grace. This is a, um, a core value that we have here at, the, at um, I almost said The Rock, at, uh, <laughs> at Saturday Night Supper Club. <laughs> 
oh, I'm a little bit, my mojo's taken over. That's so funny. <laughs> this is from um, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry that Emma goes to, and it's a, it's a core value, and I really like it, and I just, I just copied it verbatim. But it's God scandalously loves his lost creation and extends grace, empowering believers to love him and others at a higher standard than the law. Deeply experiencing grace enables us to walk out of shame and into righteousness. You know, I had a compliment the other day, and I, I, didn't, I didn't know how good a compliment it was until I kind of thought about it. But I was meeting with a friend, and we were talking about different things. And she said, you know, she goes, my, she's talking about herself, my first response to people is judgment, and then I eventually get to grace. She says, Paula, your first response is grace. And I was like, wow. And I don't think I was always that way. And I, I was like, well, I, I want my default to be grace. I don't want my default. If they're going to pick between the two, judgment and grace, I would rather have my default go to grace and then work from that than my default be judgment, right? So that's going to be our first, um, our first thing that I want you to remember is you're going to give grace to the people that you're, you're hanging around with. And you're going to say, wow, because of God's grace extended to me, I get to, start, I get to choose that my default's going to be grace. My deep, I'm going to start from a position of grace because that's where my position is from with the Lord. So I am going to intentionally extend grace to the person who votes a different way than I do or wants socialism or lives a different lifestyle. I'm going to start from a place of grace. That's going to be your number one strategy, your first strategy. We joyfully experience the undeserved love of God and his ongoing power to transform us. His transforming love and power are inseparable from one another. You know, the thing about grace is it's actually inseparable from power. If we want to have power in our lives, we have to experience grace and give grace. If, if we want to be people that um, walk in supernatural power, we have to walk in supernatural grace. We have to receive God's supernatural grace if we want to be empowered to live supernaturally. That comes from a place of grace. Paul calls grace extraordinary. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, he says, Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything. Every moment and in every way, he will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. And in verse 14, he says, Because of this extraordinary grace which God has lavished on you, they will affectionately remember you in their prayers. Grace is the place where we start with everything. Grace is the foundation that everything else is built on. Because here's the deal. It's either grace or law. It's either grace or law. We're gonna, we're not gonna, we don't live in the Old Testament anymore. We don't live in the Old Covenant anymore. We live in the New Covenant. Our only choice is grace. If we're going to live in power and victory and be atmosphere changers, we have to start from a place of grace with everybody. And why not start during the holidays when it's just the hardest, right? When it's the hardest. The thing about grace, real grace, it allows us to throw off shame and guilt that the enemy wants to weigh us down with. And in the same way, if we throw off shame and throw off guilt, we get to actually powerfully throw it off other people. And so, you know, when you're talking to the people that have a different viewpoint than you or lifestyle than you, you can ask yourself, Lord, how do I extend grace to these people? What is your will for me to somehow partner with you 
to help shame be thrown off of them. Because, see, that's what God did for us, is he removed the power of shame in our life. He removed the power of condemnation so that we get to walk free. So now what we get to do is partner in that and do that for other people. And you can ask yourself, what, what, what person in my life are you going to put into my life this season that you want me specifically to throw off shame, throw off condemnation? How do I be a life giver, a grace giver like God's? Because, again, we're not here just to survive the holidays. We're here to change the atmosphere. We're here to be kingdom people that do kingdom work. That means intentionality. You know, one thing that the Lord's been really teaching me this season, and this has been a kind of a recurring theme for me, and I, maybe I'm just slow, is um, the power of intentionality, the power of, we call it repetition and practice, repetition and practice. There are some things you don't get, you know, if you want to learn to play the piano like, um, like Tim Foster, not one of us can get up there and play it like him unless we've practiced over and over and over. That's years and years and years of practice for him to get to that place. That's the thing about us, you guys. If we want to be partners with the Lord to, to free people from shame and condemnation, we have to do it over and over and over intentionally. We have to practice it over and over. It can't be just a if-I-feel-like-it kind of thing. It cannot be, right? How many of us, I mean, there are some of you probably want to go to the gym. How many of you want to go to the gym and exercise? Yeah, Aaron does, bless his heart. Chris, you like going to the gym. I mean, that's something you look forward to. For a lot of us, it's something we have to decide we're going to do. We have to decide it's a value in our life. We have to decide, especially when you get to be, you know, I just had a birthday, 39. When you get to be older and you want to take responsibility for your health, you have to be like, oh, I have to actually be responsible for my health as I get older. I have to, like, be deliberate about my food and my exercise and all that kind of thing. It's an intentionality so that we can be as healthy as we can be as we get older. Same thing with grace. If we're going to partner with grace, we've got to be intentional about it. And I'm going to challenge you that you're going to look for people in your life, especially the ones that disagree with you, and you're going to ask the Lord, because remember, we partner with the Holy Spirit. You say, Holy Spirit, how, am I, how do I release grace to them? How do I re release grace to these people that are maybe suffering in some kind of a way? Or maybe have a deep shame. We want to partner with the Lord during the holidays, right? All right, number two, gratitude. <sighs> Gratefulness is a natural response to grace. The, here's this fantastic scripture that Paul, I found this in 1 Thessalonians, and it was, I was like, I can't believe I haven't really ever looked at this before. But it's 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Let your joy, this is in the passion, I love it. Let your joy be a continual feast. Make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks, for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. There in three sentences is, Jesus, is God's perfect plan for us. Have a joyful feast, be joyful, make your life a prayer, and always be thankful. Three things, and yet they're so, it's so profound. And that's, that's God's perfect plan. I don't know about you, but I find being thankful in all circumstances somewhat challenging. Especially, what'd you say? <laughs> yeah, especially if you've suffered a trauma 
or a tragedy or something like that, you're like, God, I can't believe you want me to give thanks in this particular situation. And yet the scripture says it's his perfect plan for us. It's actually his perfect plan. You know, um, in the book of Nehemiah, in chapter 12, Nehemiah is talking about how he's rebuilding Jerusalem and putting people on the walls. And everyone has their particular job to do. Well, the priests and the Levites, there is actually a group of priests and Levites whose only job was to sing songs of thanksgiving. That was their only job. I mean, that was their job. Like, hey, your job is today take down a bunch of praise reports, and I want you to sing thanksgiving, and that's your job. And that's the only thing you're going to do. That would seem kind of rote and ritualistic for a lot of us. And yet the point of that is that thankfulness is a discipline and it's a choice. It's not an emotion all the time. Sometimes it is. But as Christians and as people who um, are going to be intentional, a lot of times we have to choose thankfulness. We don't wait till that thing comes, upon, the emotion comes upon, the, upon us. And here's, I was looking at, you know, my authority, the Internet, and I found this is scientifically, I guess, supported. Seven benefits of gratitude. Number one, it opens the door to more relationships. Acknowledging other people's contributions can lead to more opportunities. Number two, it improves your physical health. You get lower blood pressure. You have less aches and pains. These are actually all scientifically supported. Like they had different studies that supported these different things. Three, it improves psychological health. It reduces toxic emotions, increases happiness, and reduces depression. Four, Enhances empathy and reduces aggression. You have a de <laughs> decreased desire to seek revenge. That one cracked me up. Because sometimes I want revenge. But maybe if I'm thankful, I won't want as much revenge. I don't know. This is, we should do this, Chris. Better sleep. Writing 15 minutes in a gratefulness journal improves sleep. Improves self-esteem. It reduces social comparison. You don't want to compare yourself to other people as much because you're thankful for what you have. And number seven, increases Mental strength helps us to be resilient and overcome trauma. Those are seven scientifically proven benefits of gratitude. And there's many more, but I just thought that was really cool. Because if, if grace is a foundation, if you can imagine grace being the foundation, gratefulness is a pillar. It's a pillar that we build on. It is essential to us building a strong home, a strong house. We have to have the pillar of gratefulness in our life. So it, what, what it's funny to me is Paul's not saying here in this verse, he's not saying, hey, when you feel like it, be joyful. And hey, when you feel like it, give thanks. And hey, when you feel like it, make your life a prayer. He's saying, no, do these things because this is God's perfect plan for you. And I like how it's the idea that we have to do things even when we don't feel like doing it. Anybody with me? Anybody with me? Today I was, um, I, we spent a lot of money just recently redoing our backyard. And so we planted a couple plants and, and turned our water off because the, um, you know, the snow and all that kind of thing. And I looked out there and four of my little bushes were all like, you know, they were all brown and curled up and everything like that. And so I went and watered them really good. But here's the deal, you guys. Our life is like that. What we water 
grows in our life. What we don't water will wither away. That's why, that's why the idea of gardening is such a big picture in the Bible. Any farmer knows that you don't just throw some seed down, walk away, and hope that you get a bountiful harvest, right? Anybody who's a gardener or takes care of plants knows that you have to prepare the soil. Then you plant the plant. Then you water it, and you fertilize it, and then you prune it back. And you do this over and over and over to actually get a harvest. And you guys, we are God's harvest. If we want to have a harvest in our life, we have to take responsibility for our inner lives. And our inner lives involve how grateful are we going to be. Are we going to be grateful for everything that God's given us, even when we don't feel like being grateful? Because we're in charge of us, not of our emotions, right? And that's what a gardener has to say is, I, I, I had to get up today and put the water on and go out. and water. I didn't feel like doing that. But if I want those bushes to grow, I'm going to have to water them and take care of them. If I want to become mature in the Lord, I have to cultivate and garden my inner life. I have to be responsible for my own growth in the Lord. And part of that is going to be cultivating gratitude in our lives, right? I, I love Betty because she's just so with me right now. Awesome. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And Jesus said in Luke 6.45, People are known the same way. Out of the virtue, virtue stored in their hearts, good and upright people will produce good fruit. But out of the evil hidden in their hearts, evil ones will produce what is evil. For the overflow of what has been stored in your heart will be seen by your fruit and will be heard in your words. So everything flows out of the heart. So we have to protect the heart at all costs. And God's perfect plan for that involves cultivating gratefulness in our lives. And you know, sometimes, you guys, it's pure will that makes us be grateful. Because there's a lot of things that happen in my life I'm not grateful for. Can I tell you that right now? But God's commanding me to be grateful. And so when the holidays come at us and um, we've got people that rub us the wrong way, we have to have a plan how we're going to be grateful about that. We have to have a plan going into it. How are we going to be grateful for the people that disagree with us on politics? Or the Bible, what are other controversial, or how, what other controversial things, um, sexuality, genders, how are we going to be, how are we going to approach that in a, with a place of gratefulness and say, God, I give thanks that you're putting people in my life that are hard to love so that I can be a better lover, that I can learn that my emotions don't rule my life, I rule my life, and I get to extend grace and mercy, and love, and acceptance to people, and I'm going to be grateful to you that you've put people in my life that challenge me in that area, that actually rub me the wrong way, because I want to cultivate my garden to produce good fruit. We want to be cultivators, gardeners, in an intentional way, and that's what we have to remember with the holidays coming up. How do we intentionally, we're, we're called to be leaders, not just followers. We're not going to sit by and let the holidays mess us up. Let's be leaders in this area. Let's say, hey, how do we rule and reign in our domain when it comes to people coming into, you know, with holidays and all that kind of thing? The third thing I want to talk about is generosity. I love this. This is from um, Bethel again. It's called Generous Like Our Father. Nobody's been more generous 
than the Lord. Nobody. God is extravagantly generous, and our generosity is a response and a reflection of him. You know, we're going to find, um, we're going to, especially at Christmas, there's a lot of opportunities to give, right? And we feel it. We feel the, our, we have compassion for people who maybe m- might not be as fortunate as us, right? But I want to challenge you right now that, you guys, generosity isn't something that should be confined to one time of the year. It should be a character of our life. It should be a character of our life that we don't put on the shelf once January rolls around, right? And it's not just money. When I talk about generosity, it's time, it's your talents, it's your emotional or response, your uh, relational giving to people. That's something that we want to be known for as Christian people. Be- and here's the thing, and I don't, I don't ever want to get into the faith message kind of thing, right? Like where you do this, you'll get that. But it's very much that close. It, it can, I understand why it can be construed that way because some people are like, well, I'll give a seed, seed money and they expect X, Y, Z back, right? But I will tell you this. There is something especially about, well, giving in any arena because what you reap, you will sow. That is, that is, a natural rule and a supernatural rule, right? But especially in the area of money, you guys, I want you to understand something. That when you are generous with your money, God is attracted to that. God's favor is attracted to that, all right? I'm not going to say it's, oh, like I said, a tit-for-tat kind of thing, but it's very close to you are coming into agreement with the principle that the Lord has, and you're coming out of a principle of poverty, a, princ- a principle of po- uh, poverty mentality. The one thing about being generous and giving, especially when you don't feel like doing it, is you're aligning yourself up with the Lord rather than the enemy. Does that make sense? And if there's going to be some place we want to be aligned with, it's the Lord, even if we're like, Ugh. even if we're like, man, that kind of hurt. Because the thing is, there are promises that we can actually pull from the Bible. I'm going to read you some of those. I love this one. This is, this is kind of long, but this is again in, in 2 Corinthians, and it's awesome. Here's my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest, but one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Let giving flow from your heart. There's your heart again. Not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves hilarious generosity. Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace. There's grace again. So that you will have more than enough of everything. Every moment and in every way, he will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. Just as the scriptures say about the one who trusts in him. Because he has sown extravagantly and given to the poor, his kindness and generous deeds will never be forgotten. This generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals, is even more extravagant towards you. First he supplies every need, plus more. Then he multiplies the seed as you sow it, so the harvest of your generosity will grow. You will be abundantly enriched in every way as you give generously on every occasion. For when we take your gifts to those in needs, it causes many to give thanks to God. Did you hear all the promises in that, you guys? Tons of promises that come with a heart of generosity. It doesn't come from a heart of the law. 
It doesn't come from a heart of obligation. It comes from a heart of generosity that wants to partner with the Lord. But here's the thing. When you partner with the Lord, the Lord abundantly, exceedingly blesses you back, provides everything that you need. But we have to sometimes step out in faith and partner with the Lord in the areas of generosity. One of my friends um, is experiencing a um, slow spot in their business. And um, we were at Village Inn the other day, and um, we had to pay for the room because we run it. And she says, here, let me pay for the room. She goes, I choose to be generous because there is a principle in generosity. Even though she was not making any money, she goes, I'm going to be generous in a way to rebuke the spirit of poverty that wants to come on you and say, I've got to hold tightly onto my money. Or I've got to hold tightly onto my stuff. It is very um, counterintuitive. It's counterintuitive because when you don't have enough, you feel like you have to hold on to it and you have to hoard it. And God is saying, what I want to teach you is the more that you give, the more that you'll be given. The more that you trust me, the more I'll trust you with what I've got going on in the kingdom. It's very counterintuitive. Um, you know, Chris and I, we talk about how this last year, this first part of um, the year, I think you had one deal in the first quarter. I had none. We were living on our savings. And, you know, we were going through some medical stuff. And I remember coming to Chris, and I just said, man, do you think I should go get a job, like a regular job, you know? And he's like, no, I, I really believe, you know, that things are going to turn around, blah, blah, blah. The last half of our year, you guys, we've been crushing it, crushing it. And that, listen, not one of us has done anything different, have we, babe? Chris, Chris goes, <laughs> I said to him, oh, he had someone else call him about something, and he's like, yeah, I've done no marketing, so this is all the Lord. I'm like, it's all the Lord. It's all the Lord. Because God is trying to teach us a principle of trusting him even when we don't see what's going on because we choose out of our place of our will, not emotions, but a place of our will to trust him. Um, th that's one thing that's been, again, not always something I want to do is to tithe when I'm self-employed, because I don't know where my next paycheck's coming from. I really don't. I, it could be apparently six months from now or next week, you know. But one thing that I want to do, I want God's blessings. I want God's blessings, so I'm going to choose to believe God and tithe and let him bless me. And it, it's, a, it's an act of faith. Generosity is an act of faith that we get to practice and we get to come into alignment with. I'm going to read you one more. Um, I'm going to read you one more scripture. I love this. Give generously, and generous gifts will be given back to you, shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. That's a promise, you guys. That's not a you know, faith kind of thing, but that's a legit promise in the Bible right there. And, you know, I'm not talking just about um, money. There are times when we have to be generous with our time, and we have to be generous with our, how do I say this, our relationship, um, um, I want to say money, energy, that's good, Janet, our relationship energy. There are some people that drain us, am I right? There are some people that we're like, man, I need a break. And the Lord may be like, I want you to be, am I right? He's laughing. Am I right? The Lord may be saying, 
I need you to be generous in your patience. I need to be, I want you to be generous with your grace. I want you to be especially generous with your forgiveness. You need to be generous in those areas because the Lord has been generous to us. And as we give, it'll be measured to us. And I'll tell you straight up, I want grace and I want forgiveness and I want generosity when I'm bugging people. I want people to be patient with me. Those are all the things we get to practice this holidays, these holidays as we get stressed out. I pray not. And we have people coming to visit us that have different personalities than us. How are we going to be graceful? How are we going to be grateful? And how are we going to be generous towards them? And that's my challenge to you guys. That's my little holiday um, sermon. I want you to approach this holiday not saying, wow, how am I going to survive it? I want you to approach it saying, how am I going to rule it? How am I going to rule this holiday? I'm going to rule and reign in this holiday. I set the tone. I affect the atmosphere. And we are going to have a great time. Because we're going to, I am going to model what I want to, to, to take place in my atmosphere. We're going to be powerful people. Can I get an amen from anybody? I want, if there's anything I want, I want you to take hold of the authority and the power that you've been given, and you're going to change the atmosphere wherever you go, whoever you're with, okay? So we are going to close. I will be here to pray. Steve, will you be up here to pray? If anyone has any prayer requests, we will pray with you, and then we're going to eat Debbie's wonderful food. Make sure you say Thank you to her. Okay, so let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much. I do thank you for the holidays coming up. I love the holidays, God. I thank you, Lord, that we get to celebrate together as family, that we get to be intentional about it, that we get to enjoy all the energy and hubbub that comes with the holidays. Lord, let us never forget what they're about, but God, let us be the people who determine the path and direction of, of the holidays around us, Lord, that we are not victims to the hubbub. We get to rule and reign. We get to be atmosphere changers, Lord. Let us be powerful people that extend the kingdom, that stand for good, that stand for you, Lord. We love you. We will partner with you. We thank you so much for what you've given us, God. We are grateful for all our blessings. In Jesus' name, amen.